Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode number 69, The Need to Be Desired. Yes, welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and we are coming at you from the still frozen tundra of <laughs> Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I'm here with a licensed therapist and still rocking that Argyle, my husband, Matt. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And we have our producer and still freshly minted, uh, and he's letting me speak at his yeah. class. He's a freshly minted professor. There's the noun. Uh, <laughs> who's the most professional radio voice among us? Producer, Professor Steve. Oh, my goodness. Welcome, class. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks, Miss Frizzle. This <laughs> is the magic school bus. Yeah. We're we Professor Snape. We're trying to figure out mm. his um, professorial right harry potter and, and, I, and i said that if it's one of the harry potter professors that would be the Trelawney. lady trelawney the up in the, the crazy lady up in the, the tower leaf reading cray cray <laughs> who actually has secret abilities so that, every once in a while a little engine that could <laughs> okay and we have two special guests today to help us continue this is part two of a series we're doing on core needs and what are core needs those are the good things that god put us in put in our hearts before the fall so for things like last week we talked about nurture this week we're talking about the need to be desired and i love how god chose us he desired to be with us even from before the creation of the earth uh, and then we're gonna be talking about the need for purpose and to belong there's so many that are so good but the fall jacked it all up people <laughs> surprise it's in nature uh so instead of getting these good needs met by god and having people in our jobs support that process we start to look to people in our jobs as as the thing that we worship and to fill us and so we we had a great conversation last week just talking about how do you balance some of that like that looking to people but not depending on people and the interdependence versus codependence and so we are so excited to talk about this need to be desired with ty and rachel wiss ty rachel welcome well, thank you yeah yeah, you, we're so glad to have you. And we know you have a little baby on your lap, Asa. And if we hear him, we're just going to cuddle his cute little face. And just <laughs> yeah. um, He's good right now. That's great. But just for you listeners to know, Ty is a pastoral therapist in Indianapolis and the executive director of Walls Down Ministries. And he has been married to his wife, Rachel, for 10 years. What up, 10 years married? Yeah. Man, I just we just high fived you through the radio waves. <laughs> um, and Rachel is an internal medicine physician, and together they're parents to three boys: Samuel, the late Ezra Burke, and to precious Asa on their lap. So we are so excited to hear more about your journeys and how it relates to this universal experience we all have with our needs, and specifically this need to be desired. But first. Let's rock out that question of the week, which thank you to those of you who responded on Facebook very quickly for me because I totally forgot to ask you all. So thank you. Um, but the question is, what is your love language and is how you receive love different from how you prefer to give it or, or to express love? Um, Ty, Rachel, we'll start with you. This, this whole love language thing, how you give it and receive it. Um, I think for me, um, it's definitely quality time. That's um, how you receive it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's the way that I feel loved the best when mm -hmm. Ty is able to give me that time, or really just friends in general. Mm -hmm. um, just spending time with people and being present. Um, I found that that is where I um, get the most life. Um, how do I like to give it? I would probably say the same way i i kind of forget about giving gifts to people i'm not very good at giving them words of affirmation but <laughs> i feel like i'm pretty good at being i feel like i'm pretty good at being present and i think um some of that was uh maybe even brought more to light when we lost our son um mm. just people were present with us and um, i found how important that was mm. for us so and that is your second yeah. born son that you lost uh, this last year right yeah, yeah. October of 2017, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, so just having people kind of like before Job's friends were horrible when they were good and quiet and with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually had a really good church experience um, with, I mean, just people in our church just really came around us and loved us and just sat with us and held us and cried with us. And mm -hmm. it was just a really beautiful, unexpected gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was just really beautiful and healing for our souls when that happened. So. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Ty, and maybe it's the same one. How how do you best receive love, and and is it different or the same for how you prefer to give it? Yeah, I would say mine is um, physical affection um, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I think that that's I'm always. I would be the guy if I could make a living out of free hugs, doing the free hugs thing. <laughs> I, I would be that guy. Out there. I used to think those people would, were weird until I got in touch with like the way that I really receive love. I'm like. That actually is what I really love. <laughs> yeah. When somebody just puts their arm around me or just uh, just loves on me. And I just think that that's how I've always received love well. And that's how I like to give love, too. So I always mm-hmm. have to kind of remember, like, not everyone likes a hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I don't understand those people necessarily, <laughs> but, um, you know, to each their own, I suppose. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll jump in. I am actually physical touch is probably last on my list, which is <laughs> I think I read that about you. And I, was I know. Like, oh, I I'm know. Not until until I found that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just you dropped just like how physical touch is the bottom of your list, Lori. You dropped to the yes. bottom of mine. <laughs> I know. It's it's interesting. That's it's not my primary one. Um, but I this was a listener, Sarah. She said for her it used to be physical touch and words of affirmation, but with kids touching me, <laughs> needing it all day long. It's, it's she's actually no words there. She's got four kids. Uh, it's still words, but the other necessity would be quality time with adults, exclamation point. And so I, I can see that. I've heard that from other people who have like lots of kids and like physical touch. It's like, no, just get away. <laughs> just um, leave me alone. Personal bubble. I know. You have to like, it's interesting. Me like having small children who need, like literally need touch. Like they need to be touched and held. And um, me not being a physical touch person, I literally have to tell my brain, touch back like hug child i'm not kidding it's like a robot and i please don't listen to this podcast kids but it, it is becoming more natural now that i'm like four years into this parenting four and a half years into this parenting thing um but it is can be a challenge with being married to matt and that's one of your primary love languages and so like just to make sure like okay i want to speak in a language that you can hear and receive um but I think one that I do really appreciate, I like gifts, which I've talked about on the podcast before is embarrassing to say. Um, but I do appreciate intentionality into gifts. It means a lot. And Matt, you've gotten really good at that. Uh, and and my favorite part of any holiday time is the really chill doing nothing sit around time. Mm. Like I, which speaks to me is quality time. I remember growing up and thinking with my 11 siblings, when we go and see a movie, my favorite part about going to a movie with my family was before the movie started because we'd all be sitting in a huge row <laughs> with like one bucket of popcorn and y'all just pass it around and somebody's running basically the whole movie <laughs> refilling it. But just being together is just the best. How about you, Matt? What listener did you resonate with and what do you think? Yeah, I very quickly resonated with Peter's response oh, of, my word. of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> bacon to love language. Bacon. Well, and it, it really reminded me of our date tonight because we, we went out to dinner and you gave me the bacon off of your sandwich. I did. And so that was meaningful. That's but no, my, my love language is not actually bacon. Um, no, I, I think for me, the way that I show it most most freely is, is actually with acts of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, especially in this hellish blizzard that that we've been in you know having to shovel the driveway at least like five times yesterday and and just all that and it doesn't really bother me Mm -hmm. like serving is is just kind of my natural go-to and then receiving it yes i do like physical touch but i think i'm much more also that that time spent like it doesn't have to be like an overtly physical touch thing if you're just sitting next to me yeah. If if you're just like with me, that's that's going to be a lot more meaningful for me. Love it. So, uh, I like what Nathan said on the question on Facebook. My love language is quality time, but I offer love with physical touch. Um, I I don't think I realized my love language was quality time until like when my wife and I were dating and I was in college and I had a lot of like end of the year projects and it was really boring stuff. Like I was in editing and video and audio and she would just sit there with me. She'd just sit there while I was doing this stuff. And I mean, she'd like be reading something or what, but like it was so much better to be in that tech lab with her there than just by myself working on that thing. Um, 
and she's kind of a savant with uh, people's love languages. Like she can just pick it up and start loving you in that way. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a lot longer to figure it out for her uh, and it's gifts. And I'm a tightwad. And so that's been a challenge. <laughs> uh, you know, that's been a challenge. But I have also found that um, acts of service, like you're saying, Matt, um, I can do those things. And even like rubbing her feet, it's it's more of an act of service than physical touch for me. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I think that's something that she appreciates. And every once in a while, I'll try to do a good gift. But <laughs> It's hard. I'm so. a tight wad. I've literally never heard that <laughs> sentence, and it's so funny. Really? I'm a tight wad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Time for Newpole Island. And we're playing Sorting Hat of Questions again. So if you haven't watched Harry Potter, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, but Sorting Hat is from Harry Potter. You might as well be physical touch in Lori's eyes. <laughs> you are last on my list. We're number five. Um, I don't even know how to explain the Sorting Hat, so I'm not even going to. But we're going to take the Hogwarts Express, which is a train, on Harry Potter. <laughs> Which is a such different sounding train. It is. It's is it? more, I don't know, magical dingly. Sounding. <laughs> okay. It's not like the Polar Express. No, that's the just Hogwarts straight up creepy. Express. That movie is scary. <laughs> Do not show your children. Okay. Would you, dear Rachel and Ty, here's the questions that the sorting hat brought us. Didn't sort you into her house, but it's asking you, would you rather live by the beach or the mountains? Definitely the beach for me. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? Oh, see, I was gonna. Say, I would rather live by the mountains. I like vacationing at the beach, but I think if I'm true. gonna be living somewhere forever, I, I enjoy the mountains a lot. Yeah. So maybe combo. If, if I'm in the mountains, it needs to be warm. If, as long as it's warm, I'm okay. There you go. <laughs> All right, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or Narnia. Which one is your go-to? I'm Lord of the Rings all the way. L O T R. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like Lord of the Rings as well. I was against Lord of the Rings for a while because I thought it was just a nerdy thing like Star Wars and stuff, which I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, because the little bit that I do know of you is that you are really into these things, so I'm just going to take the risk of offending you right now. Uh, but I would say... I was He's clutching his heart. Time. Yeah. <laughs> he is. so many friends, Matt, because I really like Lord of the Rings. So, well, I'm sitting here in silence because I've never seen Harry Potter, so... No, okay. Well, right. it's okay. You are not last on my list. I still love you and <laughs> would spend quality time with you. Um, okay, this is a follow-up. This is question 2B. Which one is Christian? Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or Narnia? Which one's the most Christian? I'm just kidding. We don't have to answer uh, this. Well, we all know uh, that Harry Potter's the wrong answer. Duh. The other two <laughs> is debatable. Yeah, you'll, have, you'll have conservative Christian crowd coming after. Yeah. Harry Potter. I think Narnia for sure is the most allegorical, but yeah. then Tolkien was one of C.S. Lewis's mentors, you know? So I know. I feel like, you know. He's got Christian wizards, not like <laughs> Satan he wizards. Does. He does. <laughs> Okay, last question. If you could be any performer for one night, who would you be? Also, thinking about this question, I would say uh, we just went to the, um, what was it? The symphony for the first time. And the having the conductor, just watching him be able to to bring in different instruments and Mm -hmm. just control the whole thing. I thought that was the most incredible mind-blowing thing uh to watch somebody performing in that way and so i think that's what i would like to do i could just imagine and i maybe it's because i have no idea about any music i have no musical gifting cannot play an instrument and cannot carry a tune in the bucket and so maybe I, there's just a lot of envy going on yeah. <laughs> in my heart who knows um but i think being the conductor of a symphony i think would be so neat yeah and they got some like sweet like Tails, is that what that's called? They always have to yeah. have tails. Yeah, like the tuxedo. The tuxedo. And, yeah. I like to, and I like to dress nice too, so it really just kind of all works. All of it. <laughs> oh, that's great. How about you, Rachel? Oh, um, we're big um, fans of The Greatest Showman, so oh, I, yeah. I think I would be Zendaya so we could rewrite the stars. Oh. <laughs> that's yeah. that's, that's actually what we want for Halloween. Oh, I saw that on Facebook. You guys should friend them too on Facebook. It's real cute. Oh, I love it. 
All right. Well, we are looking forward to not only getting to know you at this sillier level, but also at this deeper heart level. Um, so we're going to move to the heart of the matter. And ask you a set of questions. When was the gospel first good news for you? And how is it still? So this is basically like your your testimony. But then I don't, we don't like to just keep it to the nets. When I came to Jesus, now my life's perfect. And then we turn <laughs> the radio. Um, but we want to hear how is it still applicable? So um, whoever wants to go first. Yeah, um, I would say... Um, the gospel became good news to me when I really found out what God was like um, and when he really kind of changed my idea of the fact that he likes me. Hmm. Um, and I think that this was a lot so much different than God loving me um, or loving humanity in general. It was I just I went into a church service one morning. It was one Sunday morning and God just totally wrecked my theology about who I thought that he was and what he wanted from me. Hmm. And it was just I just walked away with this idea that, wow, God likes me. Like, he wants to be around me. He wants proximity. And th- that was just such a, like, for God to just really enjoy me and want to be around me was just a very different idea for me. And so that's when um, God, it was completely changed for me and the gospel became good news. Um, and how it, how it continues to be good news for me, I think um, that God really enjoys me um, and likes me even in my mess and how he's proved that over and over on each um, messy season of my life. And I've yeah. had a lot of messy seasons. Uh-huh. And so um, just knowing that God, he continued, I feel like he continues to remind my heart, I like you. Mm-hmm. And that just seems to be so simple and powerful for me and draws me back into relationship with him mm-hmm. over and over again. Do you just hear that sometimes? Like you're just kind of feeling like a, a bump on a log and you just hear yeah. that from God yeah. and it just resets you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I need that. Like, I just need that so often because I can just default to self-hatred or just like just not really liking who I am or yeah. um, wanting to be someone different. And, and just God, just his, the sweet, gentle Holy Spirit just coming and saying, I like you. Aww. Just so fatherly and just very simple. I love it. So good. How about you, Rachel? So for me, I was kind of one of those people that was pretty much born into the church. Um, And as a result of that, I think I I grew up in a very um, black and white home with a very black and white understanding of the gospel. Like this is right and this is wrong. Um, And always kind of had this relationship with God. Um, You know, the scripture that says, be holy as I am holy. So, you know, like just very much... um, fervent in my pursuit of what was righteous. Um, and I think as, as I've continued to grow, I mean, even through high school and college, that's kind of where I, where I landed. Um, but I think now kind of where I'm at, um, and I think part of that was through losing our son too. And just with honestly in my marriage with, um, with Ty and our relationship and, um, the openness of our communication, I've really come more into an understanding of, um, of the, the grace of God and the graciousness of God and, and how amazing that is. Um, and not only has that changed my relationship with him, but it's allowed me to have relationship with other people. I mean, just people that I wouldn't have otherwise had relationship with because I looked at them more with a judgmental eye. Um, when really that's, I, I come into the understanding that that's not really my place. My place is to love as I've been loved and to love as Jesus loved. And, um, that's allowed me to, to just be in a much more free relationship with people, you know, that I work with and people that are, you know, in my life as a result of Ty and his ministry. And Mm. so I think, you know, I think that is how I've kind of grown the last several years and um, kind of where, where we're at now with, with the gospel. So good. Well, we are just thank you for sharing that. I'm sure more pieces of both your story and your relationship is going to come up as we explore this need to be desired. And we define it. If you guys want to see a list of all of those core needs, you can go to himhministries.com and you can go under about and you'll just see core needs there. And the one that we're talking about is the need to be desired. And we define it as specially chosen, no pretense necessary. And, and I mentioned this, how in Ephesians 1, God, before he made the world, it says he 
chose us, which is crazy. Like he was thinking about us and chose us like intentionally didn't accidentally make us and didn't just have to love us, but he likes us. Like you're saying, Ty. Um, and so he, he put this need for this like magnet to him, like to be desired uh, before the fall. And then often our eyes can start searching for this need to be desired everywhere but him. And um, I love just thinking about how did Jesus walk with his own need to be desired? And you see him like his desiring us. You see him go after the lost and the prodigal and and I mentioned this last week, how he wanted even the disciples to be with him, but he never demanded it because love does not demand its own way, according to 1 Corinthians 13. So you guys, Ty, Rachel, this whole, this need, like this need to be specially chosen by God and then having people reflect this, I want to be with you with no pretense necessary. How do you see this, this need manifest in your own life? Um, I think for me, um, it was always, you know, growing up, I just always had this intense need to be wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that manifested itself, you know, when, I think when you're living in insecurity rather than this, rather than in the security of, um, of Christ and who you are in him, um, that manifested as constantly needing to find, um, for me, a man to fulfill that for me. And so, um, you know, the pursuit of wanting to be desired. I mean, I was never the popular kid probably because of my stance, you know, with a black and white gospel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was very forthright with that. And so I wasn't really the popular one to be around. And I always felt that intense, you know, really just that need, um, to, to be wanted by friends, by boys, and then later on by, by men. And, um, so, you know, I always, I was that kid that like wanted to kiss dating goodbye. But at the same time I had like six boyfriends that I thought not at the same time, but you know, like <laughs> had, like subsequent boyfriends that I felt like, you know, Oh, I'm probably going to marry this one because I always wanted it to be that one, you mm-hmm. know? And as a result, I had a lot of unhealthy relationships. Um, and so, you know, now I'm obviously much more um, confident in who I am in both Christ and in my relationship with Ty. Um, but I mean, I think that, that, striving is always there. I just have to remind myself to find it in the right place. But just that, you know, that desire to be somebody's best friend or somebody's, you know, um, somebody's everything. Yeah. 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 Somebody's first choice. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, I can hear lots of setup for how that could be a challenge in, in marriage and friendship in anywhere, Mm -hmm. but I can just hear that. How about for you, Ty? How do you see this n- need to be specially chosen and wanted, desired in your own life? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it probably started for me. Maybe I was most aware of it uh, just by being sexually abused when I was younger. So mm-hmm. from the time I was to about fifteen or sixteen, um, that was happening for me. And I think it really just set up this. I mean, part of the idea of sexual abuse is that it's an element of being chosen. You know what mm. I mean? So I think the enemy just is so aware of our need to be someone's, the apple of someone's eye or someone's first choice or um, that somebody's eye is on us and seeing us and attuned mm. to us. And I think that that was part of that relationship for me and part of why it cycled for six years. And um, and I think, you know, part of that was that you'll be chosen, but it'll also cost you. Yes. Uh, someone's chosen you it will cost you your dignity and it'll cost you your body Mm. um you know and i think for like as you guys are talking about core needs you know it's like well your dignity and your body are quote unquote a small price to pay for a core need Uh. you know what i mean so i that's maybe where that started for me and then god comes along and then um reminds you know it's like very adamant about like i choose you Mm. and it you you don't have to sell your dignity or sell your body in order to do that, in order to get that core needs met. That was maybe the most attractive thing about God for me, is that he was willing to meet the deeper needs of my heart without, yeah. um, without me bartering, I guess, for it. Mm-hmm. Now, thank you. I just feel like we need a beat to just like hold the sacredness of of that part of your story. So just thank you for that. And you're not alone in in understanding pieces of that while your story is also unique to you. So 
I, I just think about this need inside of us that we have, like to be chosen, to be desired and to be like wanted. And I can wrestle even when I think about this is like with the shame of it. Like, do you guys wrestle with feeling like shame? Like, uh, I don't I don't like to admit this need feels very, very scary. And especially if it's been like really just abused. Like how do you guys wrestle with the shame of that? Yeah, no, I think for sure. I, I think, well, admitting any need, I think, for very uh, Western people, I think, to have a need of any type, I think, feels like we've learned to hear that as shame. Mm. Um, but specifically as a as a man, you know, men aren't supposed to want to be desired. Mm. Um, they're not supposed to, you know, it, it, you know, growing up in the West and then the Midwest in particular, there's very clear rules about masculinity and what you're allowed to do, what you're allowed to feel, mm. and to want to feel desired. Um, is out of bounds yeah. <laughs> is what I have learned, you know? And so, um, so that, yeah, so definitely just even wanting my wife or wanting friends to just desire me just feels so, um, it's just so easy to attach the word needy to it yeah. and such that for that, such a condemning, shaming piece of that. So, mm. so how do you, how do you interact with that? Like, how do you overcome that? How do you express need without, I guess being needy, you know, like shifting it essentially into a demand. Really neediness is like demanding you meet this need. Mm, sure. um, yeah. So mm. what, how, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think even just knowing how you're, and what are, one of the things I love about what you guys do is you guys are so intense about the core needs of people. Mm. And I think that that is so revelatory for, for, for all of us. And when I saw that, when I see that list, I'm like, to know that God wired us with that. It wasn't just like the fall did that to us. It's like yeah. God wired us with those needs. So that allows me to give myself permission mm. to feel that. And so, and I think that that's maybe cognitively what I will do often with even some of the other needs as well as like when I realize I'm feeling shame for a need that um, God has wired into me. Well, if God's wired it into me, then I get to say, no, that's, that's, that need is good. And I get to start blessing that rather than yes. it. So. Um, so that's been really helpful for me mm. to give myself permission. Yeah. If I could, if I could piggyback uh, off of what you were yeah. saying earlier, Ty, about especially growing up in the Midwest with these very defined roles of what, you know, what men are supposed to feel and everything, because I think almost universally, if I'm going through core needs with, with a guy in my office, almost universally, they will say that to be desired is one of the ones that most often goes unmet and, and I, th I wonder if part of that is because we've been taught so long like you don't pursue this need you don't speak about this need you don't you know you shouldn't have this need yet all that does is really instill the the life that we're we're not actively attuning to it and actually getting it met in any way mm -hmm. and, and so i it was just very i guess refreshing to hear you say that that mm -hmm. that for you and it was just like almost ingrained in you to, to just ignore this part of yourself. Okay. Can I ask a question of you dudes? Um, is early, you know, in, in some phases of my own journey, when I would hear you, Matt, talk about this need to be desired, I'd kind of cave in on myself because I translated it as you only wanted to be desired sexually. Can you explain some of the heart behind that, that it's not all sexual or, or is it like, can you, can you unpack yeah, that for me? Well, like for both of you, like, is that, is that where it is? Or I, I mean, know. I think that that is, that is definitely a place where that, that need can lie, especially in a marriage relationship. Um, but when I think about it from a broader sense, there's, there's a reason why um, it's so important for like for, for me, and I can really only speak to my own experience, but for me to have times with, with other guys, because in those times when it's just side to side, there's nothing planned, there's no, there's no agenda, there's no anything. The only purpose of, of hanging out is, is to be with one another. And as you say, like in the, you know, in the definition, as we say, like specifically chosen, no pretense necessary. Like there's no pretense to be there. Like there's, mm -hmm. no, there's no other motive other mm -hmm. than just to be together. And that's something that's super comfortable when you have a, a relationship 
you know, with, you know, with friends that it's like, you don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything. It's mm-hmm. just, you, you enjoy one another's company. You joke around. There's, you enjoy whatever you guys enjoy mm-hmm. doing together, but, but there's no sense of like, you have to do a certain thing in order to be seen and accepted and desired. Like mm-hmm. we want you here. Yep. Which could be expressed in a marriage relationship sexually, but it's an an expression of the sentences yes. you're saying. Yes, it's, it's just I one way choose to, to be that. with yeah. you, but it's not, you know, because I know you have Bible thumping, First Corinthians seven men and women <laughs> yes. that will come in. I need yes. this. I need to be need my sex. Sorry, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and uh, my face is turning red, but whatever. <laughs> Roll with it. Okay. But, but then, but you're saying, no, it's really not even, even though they are saying that sentence, I need my Mm -hmm. sex woman. uh, They're really meaning I want to be chosen without feeling like I have to perform and be whatever superstar. Ty, does this resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, I think, and again, I think that sexual abuse taught me that like to be the ultimate form of being wanted was through, was through sex. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that's been, you know, that has shaped me for and will shape me for the rest of my life. Um, mm. You know, I think God has redeemed parts and brought healing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that those things got really hardwired in from a very early age. And mm. so um, I think it's been it's been good for me in not just our our marriage, but also our sexual relationship for us to go through periods of, um, of you know, not desiring each other sexually or just having a, a lower desire. Mm-hmm. Um because it forces you to dig deeper into the marriage relationship and say, sex is great uh, when it's when it's going well. But if it's if that's not working well, um, our marriage is going to be based on more than just desiring each other sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And so and I think that that's been it's a it's an inconvenient gift. That's <laughs> what I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think for a guy, I mean, I just maybe anybody in our culture, uh, we've learned that the ultimate form of being wanted is through your body. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just to some level or degree. And I think that that part of God's redemption is, is allowing that to die in us and then to resurrect a, a new form of mm-hmm. being desired wholly. Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, our culture, look at look at movies and, and TV and music and everything. I mean, from John Wayne to to... James Bond, like the the to Lil Wayne, to Lil Wayne, to Lil John, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. to you know whatever, like the 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 picture of being a man is somehow to to make a woman swoon mm. and and just fall into your arms or whatever. That that is the cultural stereotype. Yeah, and and so it, there is this like cultural phenomenon that that does say desire or to be desired ultimately leads to this physical sexual relationship which is the ultimate connection which which that's what yeah. culture would say but yeah. there's so much beneath that and so i yeah. think from yeah there's a lot of guys and a lot of women that they come into the office and when they first start talking about desire it is with this more bend toward the sexual mm. but but it is about something deeper than yep. that so rachel i'm i'm curious to hear from you because you mentioned as a piece of your story was this you know i kiss dating but goodbye but also i want to kiss the boys <laughs> have them desire you um it's a follow-up book um but do you but here you are in this relationship and ty you identify as not straight rachel you do identify as straight correct and you would be in what we would call a mixed orientation marriage which is what we're in sure. we get a lot of emails which is so great we love them keep them coming um from couples both in our situation so where the girl me in the relationship would identify as not straight and the husband would identify as straight so they can relate to us and we did that whole series on marriage and people related a lot both in a mixed orientation marriage and also just in straight marriages but we have wives come to us and husbands who are like this where the husband is not straight, it's really ch- can be challenging on the wife in a different way than it is challenging for ha- perhaps for Matt in mm-hmm. our relationship. And and one of the reasons would be that she had this fantasy growing up of the John Wayne, Lil Wayne, Lil John. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, because the stereotype is the husband is this like always ready, rip roaring to go have sex with the wife and that's the ultimate connector and i'm saying that with 
air quotes around it. It's not the ultimate connector, um, but it's fruit. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so then when she perhaps, you know, I don't I don't exactly know your story. If you guys knew each other's stories before getting married, but no matter what, marriage is hard more than one year <laughs> in. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's been times for you, Rachel, where it's perhaps wasn't the dreamy marriage you thought it would be. Uh, so how do you relate to each other with your need, good need to be desired, but then this wrestling with your flesh to perhaps, I, I don't know, do you like look at Ty and be like, this is not the marriage I signed up for? <laughs> um, I think really the childbearing years for us. So we were, we've been married for our almost 11 years um, and our oldest son is, just turned four. So um, I think the quest for, for children for us was really what led to kind of some more difficulties. You know, we've talked a lot over the last several years. I don't remember the early years being super difficult. Um, I think we just kind of got through them, (laughs) but you know, it was, it was almost like when we put a motive behind sex, it became very difficult for us. I think probably because of um, parts of Ty's story, obviously. And then I kind of came to realize for myself too, that sex, um, and the desire for sex really for myself was really kind of difficult because like I said, mm-hmm. I kind of came from this black and white, like, um, things are either good or they're evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in a house that didn't really talk about sex, um, mm-hmm. very much. And by very much, I mean at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and if we did talk about it, it was don't do it before you get married because it's bad. Um, and it's a sin. And so, um, you know, when, like I said, when we kind of put a motive, a a bigger motive behind the act of sex, um, it was, it became very difficult for Ty. And then therein became very difficult for me because then it began to feed into my own insecurities. Um, and I think I, I realized, you know, there was this kind of shaming father figure in the corner, if you will, saying sex is really bad, but at the same time, you should be really good at it. Mm. And, you know, and, and that was a lot of weight, I think, for both of us. Um, mm. And so it was it was that part of things. Yeah, that I that I, I didn't really count on. Um, so it's not so much even that I I think it honestly, I don't know how else to describe it other than the grace of God. Like I've not really had a problem or an issue with Ty's story and with his mm. identity and his identification. Um, but I think the last few years have proven to be a bit difficult for us just mm-hmm. sorting through all of that kind of muck in both of our stories um if that makes any sense it does especially the insecurity part that you named that he got insecure and then it just exacerbated your own insecurities exactly yeah yeah matt can you elaborate some on what you see obviously not with any specificity with clients but i know you you walk with a lot of people and and wives too who who wrestle exactly there can you unpack that a little bit more too just some of that insecurity the like triggering each other insecurity wise yeah so there it's this this place where i guess they're both of their issues kind of meet you know whether it's it's her expecting her husband to to always be ready and to always be pursuing her sexually to the point where she has to say like oh no 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 i don't want it i don't want it you know and when that's not so happening to like beat him off yes yeah. <laughs> so like yeah, yeah get him yeah. off over yeah. yeah you know and and that's kind of the expectation that that is culturally placed on it and 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 so i i have met women that that are really desirous of their husband to pursue them that way mm-hmm. yet that that isn't necessarily their husband's natural inclination and their husband is is actually very very desirous of their wife but but it needs to have this like emotional connection in in order to have them feel comfortable pursuing their their wife physically mm-hmm. and and so it's it's something where the husband wants the emotional connection in order to pursue the wife physically but the because of the lack of physicality the wife will sometimes uh, shut down shut emotionally. down emotionally yeah oh. or, or lash out emotionally oh, so then and he, and so then yeah. it, it exacerbates the problem of like okay he's not feeling emotionally connected or safe and 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 she's not feeling desired and so it's like this back and forth that just cycles over and over and at some point well, they both need to to recognize their their predispositions when it when it comes to what they're wanting, and and ultimately start trying to serve the other person. Hmm. You know, so the wife yeah. needs I to, think, to. I think that was very true for us. 
How so? Well, like I said, I think the the motive of, gee, I really want to have a kid. And then, gee, I really want to have a second kid. Um, it became very mechanical for me almost. Um, mm. and, and that's when I found that, or we, we kind of found that Ty really shut down. Um, because, mm. yeah, and I think he used those words, Matt was, was just like, you, you don't even seem to care about this. Like, it just seems to all be about, you know, mm. you wanting yeah. to have kids. Like, I don't feel like you're really even that interested. And, and then, it, you know, he, um, had a really difficult time with that and it just kind of led to this vicious cycle and yeah yeah so i mean i think that 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 really we started to kind of really realize that we needed to dig into our stories and my i was seeing a therapist at the time and i mean i still see a therapist but uh it I was going through uh just kind of healing for the sexual abuse uh, uh in my childhood and we, my counselor uses the word sexual story He's like, mm-hmm. what is your sexual story? Knowing your sexual story, and um, and I said, well, I clearly have one. Uh, my wife doesn't have one though. She's youth group girl. She was virgin when she got married. Hmm. Uh, she just doesn't have one. And he looked at me like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, she's a fallen human. <laughs> she's a fallen human being. It was just helpful for me to realize that, like, that when she would kind of pull back, that I would feel used, and that, that obviously hits on a lot of oh like, yeah yeah just feeling used, and that was just helpful for me to be like, okay, this really doesn't have really a whole lot if anything to do with my orientation this has a lot to just do with uh with my childhood and where you know early themes of sexuality came from Mm -hmm. so it was just helpful for me to just not put all the weight on just my orientation yeah or you know and so i think a lot of things get blamed um in marriages like ours for a person who's not straight or things like that and sometimes the issues are that but honestly in our marriage i think a lot of times we're just i'm just a normal fallen very broken yeah. uh, in need of therapy and Jesus um, a lot <laughs> that should be all of our coffee yeah. yes not necessarily in that order either yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean whatever yeah well, but it, beca- it can become a linchpin for a lot of a lot of issues and, and people cannot take the time to work on them because they're just like oh well this is you or this is me and so there's no changing it there's no point in working on it mm. yet when you dug a little deeper you realize okay there's at least a a portion of this that that's related to you know as you put it your sexual story Mm. you know and the beliefs and the 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 thoughts that you had about sex and sexuality and how that interplayed in a marriage where all of a sudden sexuality is something that's being expressed Mm. you know and and it's just yeah (laughs) well i love what you were saying ty just as i've been reflecting you know writing a lot just about marriage and our own story and just how I, I put a lot of files into the file cabinet that was, well, this is my sexual orientation and here's the reasons why I get to detach from Matt and why I get to stop trying and maybe why I get to leave. And then, but it really, there was some files that were sexual assault and there were some files that were orientation, but it helped me to really realize, nope, s- stop trying to figure out the reasons why I get to leave and realize, okay, this is who God covenanted me to, and this is who I am committed to, and this is the one that I want to come hell or high water, and no matter how difficult sex is, and let's say it's off the table for forever, you know, that's what place we were in, is that how can I love and care for Matt and look like how Christ cares for the church no matter what? And so we had to lean into other ways of showing each other that we desired one another and and it took creativity. So I'd I'd love to just land the plane today just on in let's say people are in a season either in their marriage or in in their single life and and they're just feeling like this lack of desire. How how what's a first step they can take to either to, to really experience the that need to be desired from God and then not just force people to meet that, but to really interdepend upon people, link arms with them um, when our normal avenues aren't cutting it. Yeah, I think, you know, so for me, in, um, right when I got saved, I mean, I feel like God was really juxtaposing the way that he could fill my heart versus the way that I was really kind of demanding that my boyfriend fill my heart. And, um, I, you know, I was really kind of under the, under the impression that, um, I needed someone physically here to physically hold me. Um, and then, and then God was really kind of like, um, it was just like the fact that this invisible God, um, who was very present 
I was able to feel my soul needs better than a physical person. And that was really, really helpful for me to not just cognitively understand, but to really experientially understand. Yeah. Um, and that's available for every person on the planet. Like that's mm-hmm. God's intent and motive um, in saving us is to have this in, this beautiful, intense relationship um, that is the giving and the receiving of love. And I just, and I just think that that has been so helpful um, so that, in my relationships, my friendships with people, my relationship with my wife, I'm able to only ask for what I need and what I would like, uh, but it can never be a demand because a demand, uh, intimacy is always an invitation. It can't be a demand or it mm. stops being intimacy. Um, so you know, and good. so that's been really just kind of helpful for me to just um, kind of navigate those waters of really uh, naturally wanting to demand that people meet my needs, but really... Um, but also not completely backing off of the relationship mm-hmm. if they're not meeting my needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I mean, that is, and that is a hard, I mean, I still, I mean, I think maybe we're all trying to navigate those waters the best that we can mm-hmm. uh, with insecure identities and not knowing who we are completely and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, so good. How about you, Rachel? How do you navigate the, your need to be desired? And, you know, if it's, it's you're in perhaps someone listening is in one of those challenging seasons like you guys were in. And so you're looking at Ty and he's not cutting it in the way you want. Um, what do you, what did you do or what could someone do is listening? Um, I think similar to, and, and mine honestly kind of went back to even when we were dating and um, God revealed to me that I was expecting Ty to fill um, a role that he was never meant to fill, um, mm-hmm. which was the role of God in my life. I mean, Ty was, is a person just like I'm a person and I was looking to him and, and really any other man I had pursued at any given time in my life. Um, I was looking to them to complete me, um, yeah. and to, to, like I said, to fill that the need, the innate need in my heart to, um, to be desired. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was one of the couple of times that I feel like I actually heard, have heard God audibly speak to me. And, um, he said he, you know, he is not meant to fill that void in your life. And so I think that still rings true today. And I even, you know, if he's not meeting it, I think my tendency is to look to my kids to meet Totally. that and to to complete me and you know um and, and that's not their role either and um all that leads to is me being disappointed in in Ty and my children when they when they fail me or when they disappoint me you know and um so it's just uh, a reminder to always look to God as the source um and you know he he ultimately is the only one that can fill that that hole and fill that need um yes. and and that relieves the expectation on Ty and that relieves the demand on Ty to, to fill that in my life, you know? Yeah. And I would say that people crumble under the weight of when you put God, the weight of God on someone's life, people crumble underneath that. <laughs> and I will often say like, my wife is an amazing wife, but she is a terrible God. It's true. But she's an amazing wife, you know, so, and yeah. so just allowing people to be, um, you know, and that just allows us to, it really frees up desire. Whenever a, a mm-hmm. demand is placed on desire, it just like kills it. But when mm-hmm. you're free, it's almost like desire is able to grow in your heart. And I think that that's what happened for me. I, I would say, especially early on um, when, in our dating relationship, I felt like I was just supposed to be so desirous of her. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't. And I just had to be honest about that and honest with her and honest with myself and God. And, um, and yet I still felt like God was calling us to be married. And I, gosh, like, what do you do with that? You know, and so it was really helpful when we just finally had this really honest, raw conversation about like, listen, like, I feel like you're expecting me to desire you so much. And I just don't. And whether I should or shouldn't, I don't know. But we're going to have to take a step back. And that allowed love in my heart to grow for her. So that was really, really helpful um, as we were dating. But it has continued to be helpful in our marriage. Mm, That's so great. Guys, thanks so much for your insight. I I just hear emails coming in and I'm like, oh, you're answering some questions that I think people have had for a long time. And so just thank you for wrestling through it and um, exploring. So Ty and Rachel, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We really enjoyed it. Such a gift. 
Uh, speaking of gift, what is what are some of the gifts that your church is offering to the world by means of invitation? How is your church doing a good job? We're not going to point our fingers and shake it, shake them at the church like we can often do. Um, but how are they doing a good job of reaching out to the world and saying Jesus desires to be with you? Like Jesus desires you. So I want to hear like what are some creative outreach ways or like invites to to reach the lost and the broken, which all of us can raise our hands and say that not only were we once lost, we still are lost and in need of Jesus and so, so loved. Um, so I just want to hear some of those creative ways. And all of you, I'm going to link you to uh, Walls Down Ties Ministry and so that you can connect with him and just hear some of the training that they do and some of the walking alongside people. Um, they do a really great job of, of helping you adjust the posture of your church from one of rigidness, or we've alluded to that black and whiteness um, that we can focus on to one of real care. So I'm so grateful for ministries like Ties. And so I'll have you link there on our HIMHministries.com. Um, and hey, do you guys like what you hear? Did you like what you heard today, including all the cute little baby sounds? Um, you can hit us up on iTunes or wherever you find this and feel free to give us a five-star review. It helps people to find us and to, to hear more of this message of the gospel that really is good news for everyone every day. Uh, so for all of us, including the precious baby Asa here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you guys next week. Do you have your Bible study tonight? Uh, no, it got canceled because of the weather. So. Oh, yeah. The whole Yay, Arctic. The Midwest. Hooray. Plunge. <laughs> you guys have like... How cold is it up there with you guys? Well, see... Uh, we... Negative seven right now. It's not as cold as y'all, but we have like a million inches of snow. It hits the lake and just dumps on us. Where are you guys at? What are you... Uh, we're, in Indiana. Uh, we're in Indianapolis, but we're um, what, negative... Negative six last time I checked. Oh, so. so about the same. Just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it is disgusting. So, so today, know. you know, those videos of people like throwing water in the air and then oh, yeah. it instantly freezes. I it's could so actually cool. do that out of my, like, I just opened the back slider with boiling water and yeah. threw the, through the, you know, cup outside and it just exploded into a thing of snow. It was pretty awesome, but also very <laughs> cold. Yeah. I haven't even set that outside. So I've actually been making sure all the windows are as closed as they can possibly be. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Aren't we all just like thanking God over and over for houses and heat? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just can't oh, I stop yes, being so thankful. We were like, oh, it's so nice to have a warm house. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Oh, anyway. I can't make enough disgusting sounds about the weather. <laughs> I think I feel very strongly about how terrible it is.